I may have already told you this, but when I was a kid, my mom was a consumer affairs reporter. Uh, so when I was young, she was always testing things out. So we was always, I always had these products in the house, like car seats and toxic cleansing products and hockey helmets, you name it. We always had things that she was working on, comparing, making sure they were safe and so on. This was sort of the glory days of consumer reporting, you know, around the time of of, Har- of, um, of uh, Ralph Nader and so forth. And it was really kind of an incredible time where a lot of difference was made in the product, the safety of products uh, throughout that era in the late 60s into the 70s and through on. And we're sort of reaping the benefits of it today. So I always pay attention to these kinds of stories because I find them interesting. So a new report from the group Environmental Defense caught my eye. Uh, The organization reported on tests conducted on dozens of products purchased at popular Canadian dollar stores, and at least one in four products they found tested contained toxic chemicals, including lead in children's products and electronics, such as headphones. Now, many of the findings were within allowable limits under current regulation, but the report says those limits aren't strong enough. So we're dealing with two different things here. The stores uh, say their products meet all applicable Canadian product regulations, of course. But joining me with more on this now is Tim Gray. He's the executive director at Environmental Defense, the organization that released the report called Passing the Buck, the Toxic Cost of Dollar Store Products in Canada. Thanks for your time tonight, Tim. Thanks for having me. So what did you set out to find here? What was the hypothesis going in? Yeah, we wanted to have a look at uh, what people were buying uh, at uh, dollar stores. And this seemed timely to us just because of what's going on um, in the economy right now. A lot of people are are shopping at places where they can save some money. And we also noticed in some of our work that uh, a lot of stores, more high-end stores uh, with more expensive products, are advertising toxics-free um, products, um, you know, whether that be hand creams, lotions, or, you know, manufactured products. And we were thinking, well, you know, it's kind of interesting. It seems like more and more, it may be that you need to pay your way out of being exposed to toxic chemicals. And so we thought, well, let's have a look at some of these, um, you know, cheaper, more disposable manufactured goods and, uh, and some of these uh, just routine things that you can buy at dollar stores and see what's in them. And, uh, you know, what we found is that there is a lot of uh, toxic chemicals there. And, um, you know, some of them, the levels of uh, potential contamination from uh, things like uh, small earphones and stuff like that are, are very, very high. And, the, and the, you know, the ability for kids to get a hold of these things and to be exposed to very high levels of lead, for example, is, is, is pretty clear. So it really, to us, pointed out the need both for uh, greater discipline on behalf of the companies themselves to make sure they're not, you know, carrying this stuff. Do better testing, better monitoring. But probably more importantly is for the the federal government to um, make sure that the the legislation that's coming before Parliament this fall, which would be uh, updating the Canadian Environmental Protection Act, that that legislation actually addresses, uh, you know, this issue and makes sure that um, Canadians are not being exposed to these kind of uh, risks when they're uh, shopping at any store. Yeah, I mean, just so people don't panic, I mean, you found, of course, I imagine that most of the products, the 70% of what you tested and most of them was okay. But where did you find the problems? Yeah, we we looked at a number of things. So um, cash register receipts, uh, food can linings, microwave popcorn bags, and then a whole variety of household items. So that's everything from uh, headphones to earbuds to plastic toys, etc., and we found a range of um, contamination there, um, very high levels of lead, for example, in the solder on uh, earbuds and headphones, 
um, persistent chemicals like PFAS uh, in a number of plastic items, um, BPA or BPS uh, in uh, cash register receipts, and uh, phthalates and some of the plastic items. So uh, a number of these chemicals are hormone mimics. And uh, what that means is that a very, very small amount of this, uh, these chemicals in your body uh, are actually telling your body to do things in a way that your own body's hormones would. So they can be very dangerous, even very minute quantities. And, of course, lead is a neurotoxin and uh, not, uh, not really safe at any level for children, for example. But uh, we found very, very high levels in the solder in these uh, headphones. Uh, um, 90% of the solder, in fact, was pure lead. So um, very, yeah. very high levels. That was certainly the one that caught everyone's attention, I think. Was, was that the one that surprised you the most? Because one would think that lead certainly wouldn't be in many products, any products these days. Yeah, that one was surprising um, because there's such a viable alternatives. I mean, we, you know, you, you've probably seen this and you're, you know, when you're buying things, uh, we advertise quite often that it contains lead-free solder. So there's, there's no need really to be, you know, selling things that could end up in uh, the hands of a child or in their mouth or something, uh, you know, that has got such high lead levels. And it really underscores the need to really think through um, where some of these products are going to end up. And, you know, especially at end of life, you know, they can end up in the in, in a toy box or broken up and spreading lead all over your house and stuff. So, um, you know, they're meeting the requirement in that the lead can't be on the surface of the product. But you think of something like an earbud that easily gets broken or a kid puts it in their mouth, you know, small kids especially love to shove everything in their mouth. Um, yeah. They're going to end up with this lead, uh, you know, taking up this lead, even though, um, you know, even though it's completely legal. Do we have any sense whether this is a problem that exists only in these kinds of products, or is it more prevalent elsewhere? Or I know you just tested these products, but is it something that uh, that we should be aware of elsewhere? Or do you think this is really limited to sort of the, the really low end for these sorts of items like headphones, for instance? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more prevalent in some of these lower end products, but a number of these products, you know, are, are sold in all kinds of stores, especially things like, um, you know, the receipts you get from cash registers, you know, a lot of most stores are using those kind of cash register receipts. We've had some luck working with individual retail chains to get rid of those, like with Metro and uh, Costco and and um, and Loblaws, for example, have all you know, removed uh, BPS and BPA from their receipts. So you know there is some voluntary action that's going on, but it does underscore the need for for government to act and um, you know to make sure that these chemicals that are disproportionately impacting more vulnerable communities, whether they be economically vulnerable and, and uh, you know, have fewer choices around where they can shop and what they can afford to buy, or that people are vulnerable because of a uh, physiological stage throughout in their life, you know, pregnant women, young children, babies uh, developing in the womb, all of uh, people that are, uh, you know, going through a developmental stage are particularly vulnerable to these hormone mimic chemicals that people didn't even know about when um, the Canadian Environmental Protection Act and the, the way that we assess chemicals was developed, uh, you know, 20, 25 years ago. So there's a real need for an update so that uh, we're not looking at the average risk across all Canadians, but instead we're focusing in on um, where these chemicals are going to be impacting the people who are most vulnerable. Yeah, and I know the federal government's working on that now. And, and and this is correctly pointed out. I think when when stores say or when you know organizations say that they 
all the products that you tested meet applicable Canadian product regulations uh, and are and are safe for use for their intended purposes, they're correct too, are they not? I mean, it's it's the regulations that they're following. That's where the issue is. Is that right? That's right. Um, you know, they're following you know the regulatory regime. We didn't find anything in our study that uh, you know violated Canadian law. Um, but what we were you know trying to point out here is that um, there is exposure pathways to a lot of these chemicals that are definitely dangerous, and uh, that we really need to ensure that um, you know people are not being exposed to them through legislative reform or voluntary action. Uh, by the c- companies themselves, you know, we we have done a lot of work with retailers, you know, to remove things like BPA from receipts or, um, you know, things like um, you know, th- these um, paint removers from that are very dangerous uh, from Canadian Tire, etc. Um, and all of that work matters, but it's very very difficult uh, for an organization like ours or or others who work in this sector to go chemical by chemical, retailer by retailer, um, to try and get these things removed voluntarily. And it really does underscore the the opportunity that we have coming up this fall when uh, the revisions to this bill finally come to Parliament after a couple of tries and, and uh, you know, many, many years of, of not succeeding uh, to get the reforms done. Tim Gray is with us. He's the executive director at Environmental Defense. Uh, they've just released a report called Passing the Buck, the Toxic Cost of Dollar Store Products in Canada. Uh, they've looked through, tested a lot of dollar store products, found that about one in four contained uh, some level of toxicity, all of it well within the bounds of legality in this country, but certainly some concerns about what exactly some of those products are. Lead, for instance, found in the soldering of earbuds and headphones and uh, other uh, products as well. Uh, not many other, lead not necessarily, but uh, they had concerns with other products as well. Uh, you mentioned that you'd like to see Environment Canada require companies to label all hazardous ingredients in products, including those that are hidden inside. Is that, uh, what's been the response to that and how feasible might that be? Yeah, it's a conversation that's ongoing right now. We're really encouraged by the fact that the Minister uh, of Environment and Climate Change, Stephen Gibeau, has said that he's open to uh, further improvements in the bill. It did get some improvements when it went through the Senate. Um, this bill um, unconventionally started in the Senate, and now it's moving to uh, the House of Commons. Um, and we're looking to see if uh, issues like uh, labeling and you know transparency around what is actually included in some of these products uh, is something that we can see. Um, this has uh, happened in many other jurisdictions, Europe, California, uh, New York, for example, um, so that's that's a, a, a key thing uh, as well that we'd like to see included in this bill. And I mentioned previously, you know, that to look at evaluating these chemicals based on who's being exposed to them, those uh, subsections of the Canadian population that may be more susceptible to them um, and, you know, assessing the impacts there. And then we need to look at banning entire classes of hazardous chemicals that are very uh, closely related. So there's a whole grouping of, of chemicals called PFASs, and these are the, the non-tick, uh, non-stick uh, Teflon kind of chemicals. And there's many, many of them. And uh, there's um, an indication from the federal government of looking at these chemicals all as a group and, and uh, taking um, measures to restrict them or ban them uh, collectively. So that, that's going to be very important as well. And then, of course, uh, you know, this, uh, the findings in this report really underscore the need for better regulatory enforcement and product testing uh, for products that are coming in outside of, from outside of the country and making sure that these chemicals are not getting into um, circulation so that uh, Canadians are actually ingesting them.
you gave the report to uh, some of the stores you went to. Did you get any reaction from them? We did. Yes, we did. And we included the response in our report um, from uh, Dollarama. Um, they, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they said, you know, we're, we're complying with the law and we, you know, we care a lot about our customers. So we'll be going back to them, of course, and looking to have them take some of the measures that uh, some of their competitors have, for example, like removing BPS and BPA from their cash register receipts and uh, taking greater action to ensure things uh, that they're selling, in fact, do not uh, contain these high levels of, of toxins. Um, tell me about the cash register receipts, because that's one I had no idea about. I read through your report, obviously, a lot of the ones, a lot of the terms you used, a lot of the products you were looking at were familiar to me. The, the cash register receipt was not. I, I had never heard of that, to be honest. Yeah, so uh, BPA is used in, in these receipts that are almost ubiquitous now, the ones that uh, go through a machine, and uh, the heat in the machine actually is used to, to turn um, uh, a dye uh, black so that you can actually see the writing when you get your cash register receipt from, uh, you know, print out from a credit card machine. And uh, there's BPA, BPS uh, in those. It's the, the, the most commonly used chemical, but there are uh, safe substitutions available. And uh, so we have been working to um, you know, get re- retailers to switch. Uh, BPA and BPS were, were um, banned from baby bottles uh, but, uh, 12 years ago now, I guess. Yeah, a while back. Yeah, and, that. yeah, and so there's, there's a recognition that this chemical is a hormone mimic and that there are uh, differential exposures from cash register receipts. Um, you know, probably some of the people that are most at risk from high levels um, being taken in through their skin are actual retail workers. You, know, you can imagine if you're working, for example, in a um, grocery store uh, and, you know, on the till there, you, you could be handling hundreds or maybe even thousands of these things a day. So um, obviously there's some real concern there. And we, we've done a lot of work with uh, United Food and Commercial Workers Union, um, because of that, they're very concerned about the impacts on their on their um, you know the employees and their members. So um, it is something that we're looking to see treated as a class uh, in this new approach to chemicals that looks at hormone uh, disruption and um, looks at hormone disruption um, specific to particularly vulnerable groups that are either getting very high levels of exposure or are more vulnerable because of their their life stage or, or you know, other aspects of, of how they shop or where they live. And, you know, it all needs to be assessed individually. Tim Gray, thank you so much for, uh, for filling me in on what the report was all about. I read through it, but uh, thank you for expanding. Yeah, thanks so much, and thanks for having me on.